So, Alexandra, why did you become an astrologer and not a chemist or a restaurant owner because you're such a good cook? What, what led you to <laughs> astrology? Um, actually, it wasn't my idea initially, oh. uh, Gail. It was um, a friend of mine um, who became a friend who was an astrologer, uh, wanted to do my chart back in 1975 after he did my chart. I wanted to be... I was looking towards architecture, designs, things like that. Oh. And I wanted, I wanted to, listen, I wanted to find God. I mean, it's like I wanted a lot of things that had nothing to do really with astrology. Though I've always been into metaphysics and a spiritual life. But he looked at my chart and he said, you need to become an astrologer. And I, you're going to be a great astrologer one day. And I said, I don't want to be an astrologer. I have no interest in astrology. Roughly how old were you at this I was point? 17. Oh, wow. And so, uh, and that's when I, and then he started giving me books and I started reading the books, but the books were like more like remembering rather than learning. It's just like all of a sudden I just started, and this is back in the day when there really weren't um, schools, there weren't, you know, today we have all many branches of astrology available to students, lots of educational programs. Pretty much back then you were self-taught. Uh, there were some things going on in the Northeast. I wasn't there, so um, that's how I became an astrologer. And um, um, Did, so, you, you said that it felt like you already knew it. Does that mean you were an astrologer in a past life, maybe? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> it just came really like I sort of just tapped into something that felt very familiar. And um, um, and then, of course, since then, I've done a lot of studying and, and some some formal studying as well. But mostly practice. I'm one of those. Uh, self-taught astrologers, as, as many people from my generation are, and from that period. What organizations or websites do you look to to stay current? Um, well, I have a lot of uh, friends and colleagues, you know, and I do a, so we, you know, we visit off frequently. Uh, several times a year, I uh, travel to be with my colleagues. We do peer groups. Uh, we do small um, intensives. So it's, it's, there's always, um, so I have that as a professional in my life, access in my life, but also um, there, today there's there are wonderful um, uh, webinars uh, through the OPA, the Organization of Professional for Professional Astrology, ESAR, the International Society of Astrological Research, NCGR, the National Geocosmic Research Society, and more, and the, the list goes on. Um, the Astrology University. I kind of tap into, um, you know, most of the time, in all honesty, I haven't had that much time to sit around and watch stuff. I really haven't. Um, and most of my stuff takes place either at conferences or in the small groups that I meet with. But I, especially today, I do have more time. And there's, there's just a plethora of really, um, really high-quality um, education out there for those who are interested. If someone wanted to consult with you about their chart, mm -hmm. how would they contact you? They would um, contact me through my website, which is wisdomastrology1.com. That would be the best way to contact me. They can send me an email. My number, I think, is on there. They can text me as well. So you can do them in Greek. You can do them in English. English. That's about it. <laughs> I can't do them in sign language, but uh, I work online most of the time. I have you know, most of uh, the last 20 years, actually. So, yeah, most of my clients are everywhere. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What 
in what ways have you applied what you know to your personal life, to understanding your children, or um, thinking about getting married and saying, is this the right spouse for me? How have you applied it? Well, uh, as far as having kids, it's been so helpful. Um, not necessarily, you know, my first son, my first child was born in 77. And um, it really helped me not to take too personally, you know, because you always think it's, it's all about us, everything's about us, especially as a young parent, you know. Um, I thought I had way more power and could yield, wield more power and authority than I you really can. Uh, so it's really um, so useful and valuable to know your child's chart and understand where they're coming from to the best of our ability, to know their strengths, to know their challenges, to recognize that it's not just up to us. You know, there's nature versus nurture for sure. But really, I think ultimately heredity is maybe 40 to 50 percent maybe of who we are. The rest of it really is choice. So, uh, but as a parent, extremely useful. Uh, we have three children, and um, it's been um, also, you know, sometimes they come to me, you know, when, what's this all about? What's going on? So I've been able to also offer some guidance when I'm invited. I try not to push it. Um, but for me as a parent, it's been very valuable, though, of course, it doesn't always eliminate the, the challenges of being a parent, but at least there is a deeper understanding. Standing, I think. Yeah. What's an example of something that you learned from a chart that wasn't obvious that really helped you as a parent? Um, things, of course, come incrementally. You know, I think, like they say, you know, when uh, the student is ready, the teacher appears. But in the same way here, um, I think of, of, for one of our children, I didn't realize to what extent they. So their sensitivity and vulnerability prohibited them from um, being able to communicate in a healthy fashion. And I, I struggled with that. And um, over time, I, I thought, oh, well, of course, I get it, you know, of course. I, I have a, it was very helpful to, to see that. Um, and it didn't take away the challenges, but it took, uh, at least I understood it more clearly where this child or this adult was getting is getting stuck or was getting stuck. Yeah. What about in terms of uh, romantic partners, spouses? Well, this is a this is a, this is a good story. <laughs> Actually, it's a good story. Um, always. I mean, my first husband. Um, I met him uh, before astrology, though we got married after astrology. I got married in '76, so I just had started, and I knew enough to know was it, it worked, it could work. Because just because things have potential doesn't mean they work. Right? Good point. Because everything is determined by the, by the level of, um, of consciousness of the individual, right? There, I mean, there are many different ways that we function. So um, uh, just uh, uh, compatibility does not um, equate to success in relationship. Just as I've seen, um, I know I'm diverting for a second, just as I've seen some dif difficult charts really be able to make it work, but a lot of that is determined by what is the need of that individual. Some people really thrive in conflict or ch difficulty. I mean, some people do. Hmm. Not everybody does. I mean, so you have to take a lot of things into consideration. It's There's just no basic recipe here. 
really. But back to your question. Yeah, um, I remember meeting my uh, my second husband, whom I just like thought was like Adonis. You know, he just was like, oh my <laughs> God, I've, uh, I've met a God, you know, and getting his birth data right away. And uh, erecting his chart, this was like back in 79, 80. And I thought, this is terrible. This is like, this is probably, this is like kind of a no-go. I mean, I just don't see how this is going to work all that well. But then, then I thought, this is, remember, this is uh, like 30, 40 years ago, 40, maybe one even. And I remember thinking, no, I'm just not going to let astrology, um, you know, tell me how to live my life. Um, I, so, you know, we went, we did our relationship and we actually gave birth to this amazing being from, from that, but it was very difficult. And, and all the things that I was concerned about, a lot of them were, uh, they, they didn't project them, they really were, it was a very challenging relationship. And um, um, so that was a lesson learned, you know, that was a real lesson learned. But um, on the other hand, maybe you needed those Exactly, challenges. I mean, yeah. so there are, you know, when I go back and I've done some research, it's like, what, would, what did I need, what did he need? All of that, plus learning this lesson too. Um, so this is, I'm in my third marriage for the last 32 years. 30 years we just celebrated. So um, I, I did his chart, of course, right away, and uh, I was going to um, adhere more closely to my own <laughs> advice this time. So here we are, decades later, yeah. yeah. The second one was fairly, the first two were pretty short-lived. Um, so yeah, I think that um, having um, some as, you know, consulting an astrologer, it's really wise if you're thinking of partnership. I always think that. I always believe that. Of course, like I said before, compatibility in a horoscope does not mean that it's going to work out because people have to be in the same place at the same time in their life. There are many different uh, equations that enter into relationship. What's an example of something that you learned from this husband's chart that helped you in the understand him in a way you wouldn't have at least not assume. You mean who? Ed. Ed. Um, hmm. Well, as an that's a, okay, that's a good question. As an example, it's like, this is a good question. Um, uh, I, I, I don't think I need to get. I don't know how astrological I should get here. I want to kind of keep it in plain English, so I'll, I'll try. But um, uh, we have many different, we have many things that are common, values and so forth, which is very helpful. But our emotional uh, patterning is almost opposite. I'm, I'm very Aryan, I'm very spontaneous, I'm very um, autonomous and kind of do my own thing and this is how our, you know, because this is re reflected by the moon in the chart and the moon in the chart essentially is our defense mechanism, it's our survival patterns and this is how I survived uh, and this is part of my, my personality. His on the other hand is exactly opposite, Libra. So his tendency is to want to relate, want to create balance, want to cooperate, uh, want to um, uh, like ask before he does something, whereas like I'm off running on my own, you know. So it's it's this has been really useful, you know. And I I, I started kind of 
grokking it at about year 15. Because <laughs> I'm kind of slow. But, uh, but it's been very useful to see how um, this is a one way that you know, opposites do complement one another if you're willing to do the work. I've helped him become a bit more independent and autonomous. I can't speak for him, but I know he has helped me become a lot more um, considerate and um, willing to work with an other at someone else's pace, hmm. for the most part. Another way besides the natal chart to use astrology is to see what's coming in the year ahead mm -hmm. in the projected chart? Well, okay, there are many different, it's not called projected. Uh, we, there are many different tools available to us. I think what you're referring to is um, the secondary progression chart. There progression. are a couple of different, couple of different kinds of progressions. Actually, many different kinds. I'm not going to get into them. Um, the one that is most frequent, two that are most frequently used, are solar um, arcs and secondary progressions, and they essentially, um, because astrology is a language, and it's a symbolic language, and so. It's like learning another language. Which, so with these two, with this tool, you're able to see how um, speak in English or whatever language we're, we're speaking, um, to see how we evolve, what our potential is, because there's a trajectory. You know, we whenever it doesn't matter where we start. We can start at A and go to B, or we can start at G and go to H. It just doesn't matter. But we, we all have there's everything. There's there is a method to the madness of nature. And astrology really is a science that also, it's, it's about cycles, many various cycles happening simultaneously. And there is a progression from seed to maturation and then to death again. And this is all, and so through, pro, through our progressions we can see where, kind of how we're evolving, where we're at in certain places, in certain um, areas of our life as well as, um, as within so without, as certain places within our own self, potentially. Yeah. There are no guarantees. So on or near your birthday every year, do you look at the chart for the year ahead? Kind I of? always tell people, you know, most of my clients, a lot of my clients will, will ask, you know, when, is, when can I come see you again? When is it? I always say sometime around your birthday is nice because then we can also along with um, the, the progressions, we can look at your solar return chart which is essentially, it's like, um, um, that, you know, we are all born at a, in a particular day when the degree is at a particular, when the sun is at a particular degree. The sun goes back to that degree every single year. And our computer, because I don't have to do it by, that, by hand anymore, takes a picture of that moment when the sun is, let's say, um, at 13 degrees Gemini in 44 seconds and some odd minutes, goes back there captures that picture and that sort of becomes a sub-theme for that particular year, which uh, it's kind of a fade in, fade out. It begins usually about a month maybe. It can begin a month before, around, or right after our birthday. But it's, and I like to use that with transits, pro, uh, the progressions, and the solar return. I like to use all these three, uh, at least these three, depending on what I'm doing. Because um, I think they're just wonderful ways to get insight and, uh, and also confirmation of the themes that are currently up in someone's life. Uh, in terms of the pandemic, in terms of the global crisis, mm -hmm. 
it's such a huge phenomena. I wondered if there were any astrological forecasting that something is going to happen in the spring that's going to be big. You know, uh, there have been a couple of astrologers that have referred to it. Right now, I'm reading a book. I've just started, in a, but I know it's in the material because I've discussed this with one of my colleagues, uh, by a, a, an astrologer who's excellent by the name of Christine Skinner from Britain. And she's a, a financial astrologer. Her latest book is called Navigating the Financial Universe. And um, she, you know, a couple years ago, she, from an economic perspective, saw... Uh, she actually says it in her book that you know she she thinks that there was gonna, there's going to be some kind of virus that happens, which is going to affect the global economy and everything else that trickles from it. But because her angle, of course, and she uses a lot of, like I said, I haven't read the whole book yet, but um, she uses a lot of solar activity and a lot of astrologers and astronomers gauge solar activity. The sun actually goes retrograde and also goes through its own motions. And in, in fact, I'm just editing an article uh, written by a, a Turkish astrologer. He's a traditional astrologer by the name of Owner Doser. And um, he, um, this article actually is on pandemics. And he goes back to like 1347 uh, with, uh, which pandemic was it? The Spanish flu. Um, I think it was a Spanish flu, that one. But all of these pandemics that we've had, the last four, have had certain signatures that we are entered, we've just entered in 2019. Uh, some of those have to do with, um, again, solar activity, the solar activity being at a very minimum right now. It's much more complicated than that, and people can study up on this, but it does have to do with solar activity. You mean actual, like, sun flares and sun that flare, kind of thing that's yes, right now? magnetic field uh. stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Big stuff, actually. Astronomy. I, I mean, real, you know, this is for the scientists, but which we use, it because these two pieces come together. Um, and also, uh, where the eclipses occur in the, the parts of the... The solar system, the parts of the signs that they occur in, the last, this is the fifth one in the last 700 years that are, and we're just back in it again as of May 4th, we're going to be, the lunar nodes are going to be in Sagittarius and Gemini. And Gemini has a lot to do with respiratory issues in medical astrology. So, and viruses seem to have been each and every time. And, and you know, these, uh, this doesn't happen that often, you know. So um, there are themes, and Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions seem to be a repeated theme. So there are certain signatures to this. Um, and of course, there's, you can imagine, everybody almost is writing something about what has happened. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, Right. <laughs> you know. But uh, when people, you know, kind of look forward and talk about this stuff, it's very interesting because Christine's owners... Um, a, a guy named William Stick Evers from New York um, also has talked about this in advance. What are they saying about the November elections in the states? Well, I'll tell you, this <laughs> is going to be, you know, um, in the astrology world, regardless of what um, school you come from, what tradition you come from, we've all been saying for the last 10 years, 2020 is going to be big. But, you know, it's like, I also am not somebody who... You know, every decade has doom and gloom forecasting. Every, you know, it's like just part of our human nature to move in 
to, to, to swing like that. But we've known 2020 is going to be big. We just uh, big meaning be, chaotic, big and in, intense. Uh, you know, right now we are and, and, and in 20 since 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 22, we're at the very end, uh, the balsamic phase of these slow moving planets. And we're looking right now. Jupiter isn't that slow. It's about a year uh, per sign. Jupiter, two and a half years roughly. Uh, Pluto, this time, he's been in Capricorn from 2008. He's going to exit Capricorn in 2024. Okay, so his, his uh, Pluto's uh, cycle varies because it's rather e elliptical. Really elliptical. Um, so we're at the last degrees of the last Earth sign of the zodiac, Capricorn. Capricorn tends to be sluggish anyway, tends to be mud-like, you know, moves slowly, tends to be austere. Uh, it's, it governs inst large institutions, governments, uh, politics, infrastructure, um, countries, large institutions. But they're mountain goats, aren't they? Spry and agile? Things change slowly in Capricorn. It's about climbing the mountain, uh. right? Slowly but surely you climb that mountain. You don't get there like that. And so, and remember, we're at the, so we're at the end of this cycle that's really been going on. There are many cycles, like I said, going on simultaneously. But, and without boring you, because we're looking at nodal cycles, we're looking at different synodic cycles. And when I say synodic, it's different conjunctions that have happened. The last one of Neptune and Pluto, where they begin, where they're at now. But where they're at right now, we have Jupiter. Actually, Saturn just dipped into Aquarius. He'll come back into into Capricorn later on this year until he goes fully into Aquarius in um, in December when he conjoins Jupiter and Saturn will be conjunct, and which means both, close together. Yeah, together. In fact, um, I don't have the dates. I can go get them. You, we can write them on the, the Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter Saturn conjunction is in December twenty first. And I think it's again at the last degrees of Sa of Capricorn. So we're just finishing this Capricorn phase, which has to which has to do with and since 2007, 2008, when Pluto started moving into Capricorn. And Pluto, remember, is the god of the underworld, and so he does things don't change suddenly. Things erode from the bottom mm. slowly. It's just, and everything that is dark and hidden slowly begins to percolate to the surface. And now, as it's, as it's moving towards the end of the cycle, we're seeing more and more mm. of the way our infrastructure, our corporations, large systems, where they are cracking. And that's the whole goal. And so knowing that Jupiter, and Jupiter tends to expand, tends to magnify whatever it touches. So with Pluto there, it's magnifying everything. Okay, it's not always a positive thing, but it, I mean, it depends on what you mean. There's, I don't know what's good or bad, but it's magnifying some of the challenges, right? Um, but it can also, it, uh, in, historically, Jupiter, Pluto have also, it, it, we've also seen inspiration and new things coming out out of times of difficulty which this will continue because it's just begun its new synodic, new conjunction cycle just in this last month. So, um, um, what does so, that say for November? 
let me go back to November. Okay, this year, not only do we have all this Capricorn energy, which is heavy, austere, conservative, doesn't want to change, power, it's all about power. This is why it rules big government and corporations and big stuff. Um, but this year, we also have a Venus retrograde cycle. And retrograde means it's going backwards. It appears in its orbit. to be going back. It does. It appears because it, you know, if you think of this, if you think of the sun here, and the Earth going this way, and other planets going that way, some planets move faster. So by the time they get here again, and we're still here, it looks like they're moving backwards. Oh. They, they're behind us. Oh. Okay. For Venus, that happens about. 1.6, 1 year, 0.6, something like that, okay? Um, and for Mars, about 2.2 years, something like that, two and a half years, two point something. Uh, this year, they're both going retrograde. Bear with me a second. Now, Venus goes retrograde every, like I said, uh, let's say 18 months for the sake of, I forget, it's like a 160 some days, I think. My numbers are not always, I don't, that's, that good. that's good. Them. But um, every election year, Venus tends to be in Gemini. It just so happens because it goes into the same sign um, every four years. So um, uh, during this period, not forever, but during this period of like, a, a, one of my colleagues and good friends, Ariel Gutman, who is the Venus star lady. She has all the numbers. But for the last many presidential elections, and as we go forward to several, a few more, at least several more, it's going to be in Gemini. So in Gemini, we need to be mindful also of media, overabundance. We need to be mindful and of Trump how... And Trump is a Gemini. We need to be mindful of how much we allow into, and, and also the nodes are moving from Cancer Capricorn to Gemini Sagittarius. They are in a retrograde motion. And the nodes, the moon's nodes simply are where the sun's, where the Earth's cycle around the sun, the elliptic, or at least where here's the Earth, the sun seems to go that way, the moon seems to go that way, and every so often they cross. And that's where what we call a node, oh. okay? And so there's the crossing node of the ascending, the north node, and the crossing node of the descending the south node, um, based on these orbits, okay? Uh, it looks kind of like a molecule, actually. Um, and um, the, they stay in the same sign for a couple of years, a little over two years. The nodes a, a, a year, 20 months, I'm sorry, something like that. And um, now it's going into Gemini um, uh, Sagittarius, which has been, which owner in his research found in past pandemics that's where it's been as well so um, and we're going into it now on May 4th it's changing into the Gemini so Gemini has to do with information Sagittarius has to do with our beliefs South Node is in Sagittarius so over the course of the next year and a half two years we're gonna it's about let's re question our belief system 
and how much we how much information I mean we're getting information we're in and we've been inundated since really the, the 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 tech highway but now it's just been insane right so we need to be really more conscious of what we are how much we are allowing into our consciousness and to our mind stream because it's overwhelming and and can be very superficial confusing so um and but that's the direction now this so the, uh, jupiter uh, venus is going to go retrograde may uh 12th of this year and it's going to stay retrograde until june 24th and it's going to stay in gemini it's in gemini right now it's already entered gemini it's going to be in gemini until about august early part of august so a long time okay so that's important because this is an election year so we're looking at a lot of misinformation and in the past several elections the media has been largely responsible for who gets elected it's about information it's mm. about how candidates are portrayed via the media and how they want to portray themselves or, or how others are portraying them so we need to be really thoughtful about what it is that we are our belief system what it is that we're learning how we're going to integrate them in a sensible and wise fashion that's and so and this has been happening during election years now as we go towards november we're going to have mars retrograde mars hasn't been retrograde in over two years he's going to be in his own sign of aries so this makes it strengthens mars is the god of war and he defends by offending he attacks to protect okay um and he's going to be in a lot and during the election and especially in october it's going to be tough because mars is going to be and if i get too technical stop me mars is going to be in aries um i think he starts at about 50 28 degrees aries goes back to 15 so he's going to be a lot of the time in the mid degrees there you know 20ish masimenos and he's going to be in aries for 6 months also tough stuff because aries and capricorn are what we say in a 90 degree aspect which is what we call a square. square square creates tension and conflict but this is how we resolve things we don't resolve things in trines we resolve things in conflict well, that's interesting and trine is 120 degrees exactly and it's like a pyramid shape energy flows much more smoothly this is more creative this is more um um free flowing energy and it's wonderful for cre- creativity and intuition and uh, it's but the but we usually but we can also get indolent we can also lose our sense of vigilance with trines because things are fine why why make why fix it if it ain't broken it's the <laughs> trines and and the hard aspects that give us oomph okay so mars is going to be retrograde in aries conjoining in october I should have brought my fingers out here because i have all these dates on my little sheet here uh, conjoining his sister eris the goddess of discord Dis- she's called discordia in um in, in the roman mythology eris is she roman. represented by a planet or some heavenly body yeah she is um eris is actually bigger or about the same size it might be a little bit bigger than pluto she's pluto's orbit just to get you an idea of how far away she is pluto's orbit around the sun must be menos because it's elliptical it's about let's say 246 years something like that her orbit around the sun is 570 something. What is she called? She's not a planet. She's called a dwarf planet. 
she's in the same category now as Pluto. Mm. But we call Pluto a dwarf planet, we can call him whatever we want, but we in astrology, his power, the power, the symbolic power of that energy is enormous. It's, you know, uh, little but potent, small but very potent, because it works, like I said, it eats away at foundations from the bottom and helps us see our shadow side. God, he's the god of the underworld. So it's about seeing the darkness, seeing wherever it is, and in our own personal chart, wherever Pluto is, it, it sh he shows us where we may have uh, these uh, complexes where we can be um, unconsciously, um, it, it, it's, um, unconsciously controlling because we right. feel vulnerable there, right you know so um, um, as I mentioned before we have we're gonna have Jupiter and there's gonna be Saturn again in, and Pluto all in um, in Capricorn at during the elections the Sun in the elections is gonna be in Libra another cardinal sign opposite Aries so it's squaring. Both are squaring. Isn't that Scorpio, November 8th? When I'm talking about the retrograde, I'm talking about just before the elections, uh -uh. okay? But this is just before the elections. Hold on. But during the, just before it goes into Scorpio until like October 22nd, we have these, it's going to be like, a, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be really intense, really intense, I think. Um, and for, all, for anybody who has planets or energies in those middle end degrees from like, let's say, 20 to 28 degrees, 30 degrees of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, they're feeling it in their own lives. This is, I mean, now. Uh, so there's a lot going to be, a lot of activity, a lot going on, a lot of dissonance. And Eris loves to... She was as pretty much single-handedly um, was the reason the Trojan War begun, right? It was like she was the one that threw the apple to say, you know, to tell, you know, who who is going to be the fairest of them all, how that, how how Paris was going to, who he was going to, and she did this. I mean, Paris likes discord. She likes to see people fight. She likes to win, but she would rather. She'd rather see you lose. <laughs> yeah. And she, I mean, this is part of her myth, right? And she, li I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get into it completely, but basically she loves to cause chaos. Now, the, the good news about Eris is that she also helps us become competitive so we can win. That's the good news. So, and ideally, the competition is always, you know, with, you know, how can we be our personal best, right? But anyway, so we have the two siblings there, God of War and God, goddess of trouble, in a sense, discord, making the squares to those outer planets I mentioned and, and the opposition to the sun. During this period of time, till the day of election, Mercury's retrograde. Again, it happened with Bush. So, I mean, it's just like a perfect storm. So, so that it'll so most, stir everything up it's that no, can be definitely, cleaned out. Every, yeah, but I, there's probably going to be, again, this um, 
the numbers, you know, the, the misinformation. Mercury's going to be retrograde. You know, what are the, what are, how are the ballots already? Yeah, we're talking ballots. about it. You know, it's like the mail-in ballot. Who's doing what? How is this going to unfold? So, you know, I usually like to see things in a positive. I always like to cast things in a, in a, in a you know, what's the best possible outcome? And what's the lesson? Uh, and what's the lesson? That's the way I like to look at it. But I'll tell you, I mean, I've been looking at this for a while and thinking, I, I mean, I knew, we all knew this was going to be, we never imagined, I didn't imagine, you know, really what it was going to look like. I mean, and, you know, face it, a lot of what we're doing right now with uh, this COVID-19 actually has so many positive aspects to it. And our planet is thanking us. Are you kidding? Up yeah. and down. I mean, yeah. we are just, our precious planet is just like saying, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate this break. Um, and and so we'll see. Um, hopefully there's going to be, I don't know if we'll really change our ways because we seem to be dense and, and money, you know, follow the money. Um, but at least we're documenting things. At least there's a greater, we have a greater, the environmentalist groups will have a little bit more ammunition to sh maybe work with, I don't and know. And everything is out there in terms of the information blitz. Oh, everything is out there, but also is the fake news. I mean, ever since Neptune went into Pisces, has it's been the fake news media, the, 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 the delusion of Pisces and Neptune because it's like a double, you know, Neptune rules Pisces. It's in modern astrology, Jupiter and Neptune. And so it's really about disillusionment, you know, uh, uh, illusion, you know, whatever we believe can be true. Yeah, you know, especially since 2012 when it's launched its, um, its way into, into Pisces and it's going to be there till 26. Um, but the different aspects that it's making as it's doing its dance here. Um, yeah, the fake news is just, um, uh, and I don't care whose side on, everybody thinks there's fake news, you know. So there, there's a lot of information, and especially now with the nodes moving and Venus in Gemini um, and the new, and, and this new star point that it creates again before it begins its forward cycle for the next four years. Um, it will have a strong Gemini influence again, as it has. And as I said, it's interesting that Trump is a Gemini. Yeah. And Rudy is a Gemini, and Newt Gingrich is a Gemini. But so was JFK. Yeah. Right. I mean, we can find a lot of themes. There's a, 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 that's a great discussion to have, to look at political leaders and to see what themes are in their chart. Um, but, um, so yeah, November is it's probably going to be pretty darn hairy. I just can't see, even I, who like to see the best, it's going to be a rat's nest because that mercury goes direct the next day. Well, hopefully it will reveal the rats and they can be cleaned out. And that's... Well, we have, a, you know, for the last uh, 200 years, We've had the Jupiter-Neptune, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions have been in Earth signs each time. Every 20 years they, they conjoin. And there was one time, and that was, um, I think it was in Libra, in the last two, 200 years, once or twice that it was in an air sign. Otherwise, all their conjunctions have been in Earth. And so this has been part of the Industrial Revolution. This has been part of growing materially, using the resources of the Earth. Now, for the next 200 years, they're going to be air signs, starting with Aquarius. So we're really looking at, instead of growing materially and 
just about the material, yeah, the material world, the dense world. We're looking at concepts, social ideas of how do we grow socially? How do we grow ideas? How do we grow um, ways of living socially? It's about all the air signs have to do with relation. And when does that start? The dawning of the age of Aquarius. This starts in December. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, and then there's a, a a new moon in February that really kind of kicks this off. So I suspect that around the early part of next year too, we will see some real relief from this virus. But I don't. I think there's going to be, you know, ebbs and flows here. But I don't think we're going to be. Um, I think this is going to be something that stays with us, not because of the virus, but because we're learning how to live another way here. Mm. Why, why does astrology work? Because people say, oh, it's not a science, it's a pseudoscience, the zodiac changes, so the system that was developed thousands of years ago can't be accurate now when the zodiac is in different places. So what, what's your understanding of why, where the mercury is in my chart? has an impact in my life. Look, this is all observation. Let me go back to that first question of the zodiac. Well, first of all, there's a, there are two, let's say it's for simplicity's sake, two schools here. We, there are two different zodiacs that are used. The tropical zodiac and the sidereal zodiac. The sidereal zodiac is um, what uh, Vedic, Jyotish, Eastern astrologers yeah, use. And that has to do, it's really, it's about the zodiac, okay? Um, when we first started using astrology thousands of years ago, the Sumerians, go back to Babylonian, it was just really, and you could see up to, you know, you could, with the naked eye, up to Saturn. So it was, and using fixed stars and being able to track things and then sort of record events. That they, and again, you know, even starting with the daily cycle, then going to the lunar cycle, then going to the phases of the moon, then looking at every single planet has phases based on what it is that it conjoins, primarily also the sun. So just studying it, they were able to glean a lot of information and use it in their daily lives. They used it in, in every way, certainly for agriculture, for wars, for, you know, all kings had their astronomers, astrologers. They were one and the same. So, um, in uh, Vedic astrology, in Jyotish, they actually look, because of the precession of the equinoxes, now, when it's spring equinox, it's not at zero degrees Aries anymore, it's 23 degrees back, okay? So it occurs really in Pisces now. In tropical astrology, we don't use, it's not as the zodiac that we use. We use, it, it's basically, it's, um, it's a seasonal calendar. We use the zero degrees, the cardinal points, zero degrees of the cardinal, zero degrees Aries, looking at the summer solstice at zero degrees Cancer, autumn solstice at zero Libra, and then winter solstice at zero Capricorn, in terms of seasons. So, in, and like I said before, this is a symbolic language. So at the at spring equinox, it's the it's the new beginning, literally. It's the beginning of a new year. And in the language of astrology, that is represented by the sign of Aries, followed by the sign of Taurus, and so forth. And um, 
Um, and then at summer, at, at the highest point that the sun is in the sky, it's zero degrees cancer. And we use the qualities. Again, it's a symbolic language. It's, it's archetypal. It's not literal, the way we use it in tropical astrology. And it works. Carl Jung used, he, he used astrology, he right? He used tropical he, astrology, yeah. And, be, yeah. and he thought in terms of archetypes. It's all, it's, it's, remember, it's archetypal. So when we're talking about, even, you know, we were talking about relationships earlier. Again, we're looking at the, the compatibility of archetypes. So it doesn't have anything to do literally with where... Mars is in the sky, like from an astronomical point yes, of view? Yes, it does. It does. Absolutely. Based on where you were born. Uh -huh. Absolutely. But in the tropical zodiac, we still use zero degrees um, Aries as our, the beginning of the zodiac. Because, as I said, the zodiac, the, the astrology is a symbolic language. Okay. Technically, at spring equinox now, the sun is in Pisces. That's what the sidereal astrologer would use. I have found, I've studied some sidereal, it's really interesting, I mean it works, but what I, you know, I wrote an article, I don't know if you ever read it, um, it was called the, the Uranian Saturnian Dialectic, and it was for a conference I spoke at in India, and it had to do with different systems of astrology, these two different systems. There is the Saturnian, which has to do, we were talking about Capricorn, more conservative, old-fashioned, really looks, at this, this, the, the Jyotish system too is based on um, a much more predictive type of astrology, whereas the tropical Uranian dialect has to do more with, in the Western world, the way it's been cultivated, has to do more with personal free will how we're individuals, not necessarily um, part of our family systems have changed. I mean, now we live all over the place, whereas in still a lot of the world, it's not like that. Family systems are still much more intact. Your role, not only in family, but in your community, is much more severe than it is. So it's not to say one is right or one is wrong. It's just you find something that works for you. But I have found that... Um, they, you know, I've had charts done. The, the Vedic is a little bit more, this is how it's going to be. A little bit, there's less of a free will there. Um, whereas in tropical, there are many, of course, like I said, traditions in tropical astrology as well. Um, many. But it's you have a little bit more of a, a, a choice. Now, there was a question I think that I'd seen, or I, maybe I heard, heard it in my head, but, uh, you know, this about fate or free will. I mean, is you know, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, look, we are a combination of our DNA. You know, where, where do we come from? People ask me, you know, is this from a past life? Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. All I know is that there, we are in a continuum. We... Everything that we do right now will have a consequence tomorrow. Everything that we did yesterday has a consequence today. And both of these go far, far out in these directions. How far? 
it's up to you to figure out how far you want to go, you know, depending on your um, interests and your um, proclivity. Um, so, you know, we are a combination of our socioeconomic, our genetic, racial, where we were born, all that stuff plays into it. And you can say, well, yeah, that's because of actions taken in past lives. This is what has brought us to the, you know, and that's, uh, it's not a, a point to defend or argue. Makes sense to me, right? Um, but also as we go, so we're given a certain set, set, we're born at a given moment, so symbolically, archetypally, we have a certain combination of traits that usually run in the family system because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We are also, we learn behavior, right? And most of our life takes place unconsciously based on our habits, which are unconscious, which based are based on surviving. So, um, which comes from the family system. And, you know, we can do work on ourselves and so forth and, you know, become more conscious and make, uh, and, and move in directions that we feel are healthier for us. So we have that to work with for sure. But out of that, we have a lot of choice. Now, look, if you're born, I always use the analogy, look, if you're born an apple, <laughs> you're never going to become a banana. A banana. You know, you're, but you, you know, there are many kinds of apples and you, and regardless, you just want to be the best apple you can be. The idea for all of us is like, how can we be the most, the best of what it is that, who we are? Now, we can't look at our horoscope and say, well, I, you know, when I look at it, at the chart, I, I just look at this and I think, wow, you know, this is what it all wants to be. It's not, it's never about saying, well, this is bad. Or I can look at some stuff and say, well, look, this is, you know, this represents a challenge. This represents a conflict or a wound. Um, but, you know, you can, the, the goods, you know, the treasure is in really doing the work. The treasure's in the process. It's not in the outcome. Eventually, the outcome helps, but the process mm. and um, but and we and we work on different parts of our life and different parts of ourselves at different times of our life as we are ready to so but if you were looking at someone's natal chart would to see what maybe were their karmic lessons from past lives yeah. would you look at like Pluto Saturn South Node? I would certainly look at the nodes and the relationship of the nodes to uh, probably Pluto and Neptune, the outer planets, which of course these are not even used at all in sidereal in, in Vedic astrology. Only the no, you know, the sun, the seven planet, you know, the seven planets, including the sun and the nodes, right? So, and today in astrology, there are astrologers that use fixed stars, which are ancient. I mean, a, a lot of traditional astrology uses all the fixed stars. Like, what's a fixed star? Algol. Uh, we have um, Alsea. I mean, there are. I don't use them so much, but there are hundreds of fixed stars that are commonly used. In um, um, I'm kind of going brain dead with my fixed stars because I know a lot of them because they're in different constellations, and that's how they became more accessible to ancient astrologers, astronomers, because they're fixed, they don't move, mm. they don't go anywhere, okay? Mm. But the, but when they notice that certain things happened around them, certain kinds of events occurred. Uh -huh. um, there's lots of, thousands of asteroids, H named. There was just one discovered, actually it was discovered in 1980, and that became activated last year, asteroid Wuhan. 
And what kind of quality does it represent? It was one that was, I was just reading an article, but it was kind of a cryptic article, but I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Um, illness and um, corrupt destruction. Also, um, yeah, so there are lots of asteroids. There's Alexandra, I mean, there's probably a Gale asteroid. It's, uh, Demetra George, uh, actually, she's a fantastic astrologer and has done a lot of the groundbreaking work on asteroid uh, on asteroids but many astrologers have and many use them i use uh, i use four of the asteroids pretty much always in my charts which are ceres juno pallas and vesta but uh, there are hundreds and thousands and there are astrologers that do a chart entirely based on the asteroids wow. okay uh, there aren't astrologers that do a chart entirely based on fixed stars and phases on um, do you, you know, there are as many kinds of astrologers as there are people. Oh, interesting. But, um, so, what was I saying? Um, Can we um, look, yeah. look at the really basics for people who don't know it, using your chart as an example? So, a chart has 12 houses that are governed by different constellations. There are degrees in each house. I wish I could go get my little example. So why don't you start us off with where your sun is, what you have in the first house, what your moon is, just so we can see an example of a basic, how you start looking at a chart. Well, I think, uh, I'll tell you how I, how I enter a chart. There are different ways to enter a chart, okay? Um, and um, I, I always like to look at the sun, the ascendant, and the moon sign. Uh, in different traditions, some say the sun is the most important. Others say the moon is the most important. In Vedic, the moon is more important, actually. And the phase that it's in, the dasha that it's in, and the dasha that you're in, uh, and, um, and the mansion that it's in. Um, and the ascendant, others say. The, the, but we don't always know the ascendant, right? Because that's based on the time of birth, which is really important because it represents what was rising on the eastern horizon, which kind of sets the division of the 12 house system. The 12 houses, let's say, um, very s in a simplified fashion, represent, for the most part, the 12 lunar cycles. Though on occasion we have 13. And there's 30 degrees in each house? Roughly, yeah, you know, because there are 360 degrees in a circle, right. So that, for simplicity's sake, we, that's, how we, that's how we divide it. And each house represents a certain department of life, but it also represents a certain a process of unfoldment. So the first house, birth, roughly is equivalent to our own evolu to our own evolution, from like zero to about two and a half years of age. What was going on in our life at that point? By the time we get to the fourth house cusp, we've reached about seven, eight years old. By the time we get to the to opposite to the descendant to the 180 degrees across the seventh house, we're roughly in a, a, a about 14, 15, entering the world of other. By the time we're about 21-ish, we're entering kind of a society, more of a public role out there. And by the time we're about 30, we're kind of coming back home again to 29, 30, um, of like experiencing a full cycle and a closure of sorts happens. A lot of times we also talk about this because it corresponds to the Saturn return, which is a time for most people, 29, 30, 
but we reevaluate and we begin fresh again in some capacity or one way or another. So each house, so the first house is myself, second house is my resources, third house is communication thinking, fourth house is home, fifth house is uh, my personal self-expression, sixth house is work and health, seventh house is relationship, seventh house is joint resources, not just my resources, ninth house is opposite the third house, not just communication and lower education, higher education, meaning of life, philosophy, fourth house is home. It's inside and outside. Tenth house is career, public life, community service. Fifth house is my, how I express myself. Eleventh house is community expression. What groups do I belong to? What's my voice in the larger world? Sixth house is health, service, how we digest, digest life in our, in, our, in our own physical being. And the twelfth house has to do with uh, how we digest life psychologically. All on the collective level because it's the, the last unconscious. sign and the unconscious and the collective and it has to do with like institutions right um, so um, and, and we can say that roughly each one of these houses represents a, a woman a, a very well known and ex another she was a, a real giant in the world of astrology by the name of Zipporah Dobbins um, who's passed now, but she kind of came up with a system which actually some people like it, I like it, some people don't, okay? There's a lot of controversy amongst us in astrology. Um, the alphabet system, so like house one corresponds to Aries qualities, house two corresponds to Taurus qualities, because each sign, house three corresponds to Gemini qualities, okay? Because the first sign is Aries, the second house, the second sign is Taurus and so forth, right? Um, and each sign, of course, is ruled by a particular planet. And uh, in traditional um, astrology, we only had uh, the, two of the signs were ruled to, to, two planets ruled two signs. Venus ruled, uh, and rules actually still, Taurus and Libra. Jupiter ruled Sagittarius and Pisces. And um, Saturn ruled Aquarius and Capricorn. And Mercury, Gemini, and, and, Gemini and, and Virgo. That's correct. And now, since with the discovery of Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, we've assigned Uranus to Aquarius as well, Neptune to Pisces, and Pluto also to Scorpio. And I always look at the traditional rulers as well as the modern rulers. It's really, I think. And I, where I just, is your son? My son is in Pisces. In what what house? Uh, it's actually I was born right at sunrise. So. It's right. It was rising. It's like it's kind of like a little bit more on the twelfth, but it's right. It's also a little bit on the first. It's right on smack. So, um, I am a Pisces. I actually so I am a double Pisces, because the sun was rising when I was born, and the sun was in Pisces. So I'm a double Pisces, right? Um, Pisces tend to be a lot more um, um, less visible actually, or, uh, or rather, um, Pisces tends to be, um, it's, it's a sign that is really sensitive, really um, intuitive, you know, the, uh, I don't want to get into the whole thing of Pisces since I'm a Pisces, but um, um, for the most part, um, most people that meet me don't guess I'm a Pisces, because Pisces tends to be a bit more retiring by nature, more quiet, more, uh, more in the background, sort of witnessing rather than taking action. Uh, but but the sun was rising, so I'm very vis much more visible than other traditionally, and also and this goes true. It doesn't matter what sign you are. If you have the sun in the twelfth house, 
you do tend to witness more rather than be out there. A lot of politicians have sent in the 12th also because they're in, you tap into the collective. The 12th house is the collective, okay? And you have to be in tune with collective. So it depends on, and there are many different ways we can talk. There are three symbols really for Pisces. There is the artist, the, the poet, the inspired person who writes about the magic of the universe in God and mysticism. There is the priest, the nun, the monk, the doctor, the people who want to save, help others from suffering. Because in the 12th house, after experiencing all that, you're really tuned into suffering. And then, of course, there, it's also associated with uh, substances, alcoholism, it's the alky, it's the druggie, it's, it's the person who um, just, the pain is too much, can't handle it, it's too much. But ultimately, I think all of these three symbols, I, I always, when I think of strong Pisces energy, it's about wanting to reconnect to the divine, to the collective, to the divine, to God or whatever. What about the is. two fishes? That's what that, you And see. that's all, yeah. And that's, and which is actually the sign of Christianity. Right? The fish. Right? Yeah. And it's about sacrifice. It's about sacrifice, going with the flow, wanting to just move with it, and then fighting the, the ego, fighting the self, fighting to move upstream. You know, and, and oftentimes being of two minds also, it's one of those dual signs. Of uh, it's kind of like the, the the consciousness dealing with unconsciousness, the intellect dealing with um, sensitivity. Sensi well, emotions. and um, also um, I think of it as um, our higher nature fighting with our lower nature. You know that which wants to connect and do good works, that to that which kind of gets says, I'm tired. I just kind of want to go just do something else, and. Um, um, but um, anyway, so that's uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, Where is your 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 moon? And is my in moon Aries? is in Aries. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. In what in what house? Well, it depends on what system you use. In the system that I use, uh, it's in the second house, uh, in, in, uh, which has to do, which I I associate. I, I, I people with moon in Aries tend to be very kind of excitable, very fiery, very spontaneous, impulse, all of those things, which I am and which I've been. You know, I think we mellow with age, um, but also because it's in the second house, it's in the house traditionally ruled by Taurus. It's had the the influence has been a, a much more um, less volatile. I, I'd say, though, interesting enough, because the moon has to do with how we feel. The second house also has to do with uh, finances, resources. It does. It seems to me like I can one, and the moon goes through phases. Wherever the moon is in our life, we can go through phases with it with that department of our life. And you know, depending, doesn't matter what I have in the bank, doesn't have, some days I'll feel rich, other days I'll feel poor. It's just like, it's just kind of how I'm feeling, you know, it's like. A cycle. It's a cycle, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. But uh, um, when I tend to be pretty, you know, all the things that you would think of as Aries. Where would um, a strong opposition or square be an example in your chart? Do you have one of those, and how is it played out? Well, we should use somebody else's chart, but sure, if you want to use mine. Um, um, okay, I have a very, very tight, um, I'm not going to use the asteroids, but just the signs. And the planets and simple ones. Moon is a good example. It's, um, 
uh, with Mars. And I have the Moon in Aries, which is ruled by Mars. And I have Mars in Capricorn. And they're very tight squared. Mars is in the 11th house of community, service, friendships, goals. So a square is there 90 degrees It's apart. a 90 degree, yeah. And so I've often felt conflicted between my duties, my obligations. Tech Capricorn tends to be very responsible, very commitment, and very goal-oriented. And Mars is there. It wants to make it happen. It also initiates projects, and I initiate anyway because I've got my moon in Aries. But a lot of times that has been, you know, the, the, the moon also represents uh, family. It represents what makes us feel safe, secure, home, comfortable. And a lot of times my goals, my commitments, my, ob my self-made obligations have um, been challenging in regards to my family and um, how, I, what, you know, what, how it is that I want to uh, continue to nurture my home. And so I've had to, you know, it's taken time to find uh, some, a better balance there and a way that I can actually work with these energies in a more, in a constructive but more harmonious way. And also it's quick to anger, but you know, Moon and Aries is quick to anger. Something I want to tell you uh, is that whenever we have a theme in our chart, it's going to be repeated in many different ways. It's not just isolated, because as we know, in our life, we have certain themes that, I don't care how old we are, they're the same themes. It's like same same dance, different day, different year, different Life decade, lessons. you know. It's the same old stuff that spins around, it wears different clothes, different masks, same old stuff, same old stuff. But it just looks a little differently. So, But each time, I think we have the opportunity to refine it. And what we learn is what we teach and what we can be most adept at because if we've done our work, we have something to share, some experience to offer. Where do you have a trine or a 60 degree or 120 degrees that's been useful to you, that's been helpful and made things easier? Is there an oh, example? I do, actually. I have a, I've got a, a moon, again, it's, it's part of a trine. Actually, I'm, actually, I've got some. Let's let's use this other one. Forget the moon, the sun and the ascendant. And and actually, I didn't mention, but Mercury in my chart is in late Aquarius, very close to my sun and ascendant. Uh, so it's kind of all kind of bunched up together. And For, do we call that conjunct? Conjunct. How correct. how many degrees do they need to be to be well, conjunct? Well, you know, I like. To, depending on the, with the sun, I'll allow 8 to 10. The moon, about 8. Everything else depends on the planet, on, on how, how it reads in the chart. But 6, 7, you have to kind of gauge it, but that's kind of a general rule for me. There, the sun and ascendant in my chart are exactly trying my, um, within a couple degrees, my north node. Jupiter and Neptune in my chart. Jupiter and Neptune also are the rulers of my Sun and Ascendant. So this actually, again, like I said, themes are repeated here. They're trying in Scorpio, early Scorpio, in my eighth house, which is also the house of Scorpio. So the theme becomes even more magnified. I have found this, without going into astrology lessons here, very useful in working with others, going deep. Scorpio likes to go deep. Scorpio likes to, um, un, um, to um, look at the shadow. It wants to 
you know, one of the issues of Scorpio too is intimacy. How do we really bond? Intimacy is about allowing us to see one another. That's how we become intimate. And the way we do that is through trusting. And the way we do that is through allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. So one of the gifts I've had from having these placements is uh, aside of inheritance and other things that we can talk about with the 8,000 Scorpio and many other words we can use but to keep it simple here. Um, it's a, really, a, it has allowed me, I think it's been one of my gifts in my opinion, ask my clients, um, I can really work well with people and I can go deep and people for the most part um, like to work with me, they trust me and there is a genuine ease of energy there. Nice. But it's also, it also exacerbates the Piscean qualities because, you know, I can go untethered. Not only am I a Pisces, but it's trying to Jupiter and, and Neptune, so that energy runs very freely. So it's like, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's great. Um, if people want to do just see like a basic natal chart is there a particular website are, yeah. that 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 you would recommend uh, there that, are a that couple here free I, yeah. and by natal chart we we mean the chart when you were born so you yeah. need to know your birth time and place the best place to go uh, there are two places that i would recommend there there are many and you can figure it out but the two places that are reliable are astro dot um, astrotheme.com astrotheme1.com and the other one is astro.com which also is known as astrodienst astro d-e-i-n-s-t and they've got a place there where you can plug in your information and get your chart up um, as far as getting um, you know those interpretations by computer I strongly discourage it even though some things of course are going to ring true it, it, astrology, the language, is much more complex than that. It's about how do you put it all together. I mean, I think it's great if you're interested. There's, I can recommend lots of great beginner books, and some of them are cocktail books. So you can look stuff up and really kind of get some things. But then you say, oh, this says this, but then that says this, and it contradicts this. How does it all work together? Well, it does all work together if you know how to, the language works. Got it. And what about the newspaper columnists, the astrologers who say, yeah. okay, you're a Gemini and this state, you should watch out for this and this. Is there any validity in that yeah, there at is. all? Yeah, there is. Well, you, you know, it depends on the author, okay? It depends largely on the author. Um, and I also, as you know, I did that for Lotus Guide, actually for, for nine years, but I've done it for other magazines for a bunch of years. I've done this a lot. Because it's um, it's kind of fun, and, and especially at the beginning in, of my of my career elsewhere, it was a great way to get to put your work, yourself out there. And when I first came to town, I thought it'd be enough fun to do as a community service. But you need it works best if you can if you know your sun if your rising sign. It works best if you know your rising sign. Is there validity to that? It's fun. It's, is, there, is this something that you should wake up every morning and have this guide your day? Absolutely not. I am an astrologer. I do not wake up every morning and look <laughs> at the chart and say, well, let's see what I'm going to do today. I, I'm not like that. So I have friends who are. I'm not like that. Um, that's not my cup of tea. But yeah, there are some columns that are actually quite good. Like who comes to mind? Um, 
they're no longer doing it. Mm. Um, you know, uh, some people, comes uh, to mind. Right now, off the top of my head, I mean, Michael Luton used to do it, fantastic. Christopher Renstrom, fantastic. Um, who comes to mind right now that's doing it, let me think. Um, the Mountain Astrologer. The magazine. The magazine, the Mountain Astrology magazine, uh, has a very good one. You know, it's a bi, it's a bi-monthly, and they have a pretty good column. Yeah, yeah, there are good columns out there. Yeah. Okay. But you know, the the more predictive something is, the the more hogwash it is. So, so there. Let Let's just go over a few terms that pe might help people who are getting involved in this. So, um, you you've mentioned. Um, the the nodes and again those are where the the lunar orbit is. It's like where the Earth and the Moon cross together as they go around the Sun. And what one has to do with your past life stuff? One, what what is the North and South node? What is their influence? Okay, well the North node, you know, in in the Vedic tradition they call it the head and the tail of the dragon. The North node tends to want to eat everything that comes of its way. So it has more like a, I want to learn, I want more of what it is, okay? <laughs> the south node is kind of like your comfort zone. You already kind of know that stuff. This is your, this is where you, you've been there, you, you know that. So this is kind of what carries you, but it's also where we can get stuck in habits, okay? So the north node can be sort of what it is that we're striving for in order to grow spiritually. The the and the significance between the Earth and the and the and the and the Moon where they cross as we go around the Sun because I wish I could, I wish I could bring my computer and show you <laughs> my little diagrams um, but um, it's um, in many ways the Sun the, the Earth will show uh, the Sun has to do also with um, our own spiritual nature the Moon has to do with the public, the moon has to do with the masses. So it's like also what is our role? Where do we integrate with, with, with our collective? Where do we fit in? How do we fit into society? How do we fit in community? How do we fit in, in ourselves, you know? Um, the, the ascendant or the rising sign, I've always heard of that as kind of our persona that we present yeah. to the world. Yeah. So you, would present as a Pisces, but you really don't. You present more as your moon in the second house, your Aries. No, I think I present like a sun, like the sun, which is ruled by Leo. Ah, interesting. I, I mean, look, I'm a double Pisces. Though. Some people get it. They, they get it. If you know astrology, you can, you can pick it up. And then another influence in the chart. So, is, like, excuse me, let me uh, go back. So, let's say if you have moon rising. The moon was on the ascendant. You're going to present, let's say if you're moon rising in Virgo, you're going to present more like a Virgo, but a very emotional one, one that's very moody, one that's very, you know, two steps backwards, three steps back, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. It's, the moon is going to be very influential. If you have Mercury on the ascendant, you're going to represent more Mercurial, I don't care what sign it's on. Mm. If you have Saturn on the ascendant, you're going to be a lot more reserved. Serious. I don't care what sign it's on. Mm. Okay. Interesting. 
And then the, also the chart, you could be more fire, earth, air, mm -hmm. or water. Right, uh, the elements, right. The elements. Yeah. So each, each constellation is associated with an element? Right. There's four elements, four, three water signs. We start with the fire signs, Aries, Leo, and Sag, and then Earth, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, then Air, Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius, then Water, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And so the, so the fire signs are very dynamic, um, fiery, warm, enthusiastic, uh, creative, ready to roar. <laughs> the, the Earth signs are more resourceful, crafty, uh, uh, they, they like to make things, they're down to earth, they want to build things, they want to create security um, and be of service and work with the land and, and the community. The earth sign, the air signs want to relate, want to express ideas, want to learn things, want to communicate. And the water signs are, are the feeling signs, that it's more about how do I connect on a more emotional level, how do I? They intuitive, sensitive, sympathetic, empathetic. So to give one more example, I'm a Gemini Sun sign, Cancer rising, Libra Moon. So just knowing that, what would you say about a person with that chart? I would say, and I would say that uh, you're a Gemini. It's like with the Sun, you're somebody whose purpose and whose power, because the Sun represents our power. Who? Our, who, who do we want to become? Who are we? The sun is like how we assert ourselves. In Gemini, you're someone who wants to share information, communicate, connect with others, to, to communicate, to share information, knowledge. Inf that's what Geminis do. In Cancer, it's, a, it's about knowledge. Also, it's about nurturing, supporting, wanting to connect, wanting to intuit, wanting to bring together on a sympathetic, empathetic level your life experience with others. It's much more um, intuitive. It's much more imaginative, very strong imagination. The water signs have and, and cancer. So that could tie into my intuitive work, Absolutely. my clairvoyant work. And also you have with a cancer rising the moon the moon in the fourth house it's in libra so it's four signs away it's in the fourth house repeats that cancer theme of like safety security home is probably really important to you you like to be this is this becomes a place where you work from you, you know you and you want to be to um, again communicate reach out balance is a real big piece for libra how do you balance you know communicating about balancing and teaching women's studies fits in with that of wanting equality and fairness. It's for... ruled by Venus, absolutely. And also cancer is a feminine, we call it a feminine sign. Great. Is there anything else that you would like people to understand about astrology that uh, we've left out that you think, oh, we got to include that? <laughs> well, actually, I think we talked a lot about many things. You know, the bottom line is is that it's a, it's a language. It's it's symbolic, archetypal. Uh, archetypal. I don't I don't like people to get stuck on 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 uh, certain ways of thinking about uh, getting um getting trapped by certain definitions. Um, yes, you know, if you have a Mercury in Taurus as an example, yes, you're you're going to be probably a little bit more stubborn 
than, let's say, a, a Mercury in Sag who wants to explore every single possibility <laughs> and then, and then pip, cherry pick out the pieces that are fit into their philosophy because Sag is about philosophy. Um, but there are, you know, depending on what level of consciousness we come into this life with, we'll determine how we use. I mean, the twins are born with the same chart often, and yet still make different choices, right? So, um, I mean, again, they're not going to make wildly different choices, but the outcomes based on choices can be a little bit different. With a Mercury in Taurus, can go as easily into the arts as they can go into finance. Mm. So it's not to get trapped. Um, and, and also something that I want to share that I feel so important. Um, and I get asked this a lot, you know, is this good or is this bad? Is this good or bad? Is this good? Is this bad? When will this end? This is, that's another question, you know. Um, first of all, I don't know what's good, what's bad, because out of bad, bad, uh, challenging. Our growth. It's how we grow. You yeah. know, we don't grow out of joy. We grow at the rate of pain, <laughs> if we're willing to do the work, you know. We don't grow at the rate of joy and frivolousness and party. You know, we grow through really getting in touch with our heart and um, and our spirit, connecting our own inner being. Um, so, uh, and, and, I, and again, you know, it's like taking all of our chart and recognizing that there are times in our life that we're going to be working with different aspects of our own inner self, or as, and it manifests as within, so without. You know, it's like nothing will happen externally unless we first imagine it internally, whether we know it or not, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And as we go forward, we're co-creating this universe. There is no, there is no um, script here that this is what's going to happen. We know the tendency. We know the trajectory. We have an idea of how we're going. But we are also, because as we, as physics has shown, we are, you know, our perception and how we meet reality changes that reality at that moment. Quantum physics, Quantum physics says that. You know? yeah. So we have choice. I mean, yes, you know, I have choices. I live in, a, I live here. You know, what I do can have an impact here and now in my life. Um, I don't, and, you know, my me sitting around meditating, thinking I'm going to become something I'm not, isn't going to really help uh, me or anyone else. So to, you know, for all of us to really, you know, learn as much as we can about ourselves, self, self, um, explore, self, um, not become consumed, but, you know, be reflective, and to recognize that there's nowhere to go, nothing to do, and no one to become, because it keeps evolving. You know, the moment we feel like we know something, we need to be careful <laughs> because there's more to come. I, I like what Jung said, that the aim of life is to become individuated, which means to become conscious of the unconscious. And since the unconscious is, what, 80, 90 percent, it seems like astrology is a useful kind of specific tool. For to those gain. who, yes, you know, and like... Look, different. the kind of astrology I like to do is I think of it more sort of 
you know, looking at, um, you know, the person's inner characteristics and qualities and what they come with. And it's not about telling them what's going to happen. Though, you know, your timing is fabulous with astrology because, like we were talking at the very beginning, you know, we look at our children's charts and we think, oh my God, you know, when is this phase going to end? Or, or, you know, we can time things. This is really helpful. But um, it is about becoming more conscious of our unconscious and, sh and and that happens when we're ready but you know some people go to us some astrologers because they want to know when are they going to meet this is really common. oh yeah when am i going to meet the my soulmate right. when am i going to meet this when is when is this going to happen when right. is that going to happen well my question always is well when are you ready to do that work <laughs> and when it comes to relationships it's way more complex it's not just you know, boy meets girl, and the birds and the bees, and it's because we're dealing with unconscious complexes. And so, in any relationship, we need to be willing to to do the work. What's interesting to and, me... And, can I say one please. more thing? And in relationship, it's not just about the Venus and the Mars and the sex and the attraction and, and all that. It's really, I find, one of the mo most um, important symbols in, uh, in, in, in long-term relationships is uh, communication. Oh, yes. The ability to communicate. Right. It's Yeah, because the, the other stuff, yeah, the attraction can be there, but that's not going to, that's not going to make anything last. You know, the, the passion can be there. That's not going to make anything last. Communication, though, can make a lot of things last. So you want to look at a perspective partners, Mercury, how it's aspected. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the moon, I like to look and at. And the moon. Because those are our habits. We want to see if we have somewhat compatible habits. I mean, there's going to be work to do for sure, but we're going to need to have something to work with, you know. Right. And the ascendant makes a real big difference because that's how we approach life. And so we want to have a similar way that we approach and see life. Interesting. Similar. Not the same, but similar. Compatible. What... What this makes me think of is that I just finished this trilogy about visionary scientists, uh -huh. 65 of them, and it, what you said is true, that the most common sign for them was Sagittarius, and they are interested in deep questions. Philosophy, and the meaning philosophy, of life. meaning yeah. of life, which is what these people yeah. are. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting on a book about young women climate activists, and I don't have very many sun signs yet, but so far more Libra. I don't know. What would you predict for girls who are in the vanguard of speaking out against hurting the planet? That's a, you know that's a very generalized question. Right. So I'm reluctant to answer it. But we are we do have a lot of uh, young people here that have strong uh, uh, Sagittarian and Capricornian qualities. Neptune involved. They were born with Neptune and Capricorn. They were, uh, were, and even with um, Neptune and Aquarius, which is visionary, which is like a community, society. How do we change the world? And it's it's, it's more generational. What what age group has those kind of? Um, so people that were born um, from 2000, yeah, in the last 20 years. Prior to that, it was Neptune, you know, Neptune and Capricorn, um, Cap uh, and. Uh, Pluto was in Sag, it's, you know, the meaning of life. It's, you know, creating different structures of how we live. Interesting. So it's generational. Now, as far, you know, I was talking to someone recently. What were we discussing? And 
and um, about autism mm. and being on the spectrum. Mm. How a lot of younger people are on the spectrum these days. Like Greta Thunberg, yeah. A lot of younger people. And um, we've seen that with um, um, Uranus in Aquarius. Um, there's certain there's certain themes, and there was someone who just did a great article on it. We were just talking about it. I don't remember, but there's certain signatures. But just to say what sign, I'm not so sure I can really, because you know I would also look at Ceres. I would look at um, Pallas. I look at some of the asteroids. Um, but um, it's more generational. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.